What's up to all our sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? You're currently tuning into the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert. This is episode 748. We're going to review the past week's comics as well as talk about some fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. Probably, if I had to guess, what if the TV show, what if episode one dropped this week? So we're going to discuss that first episode. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo. This is my son. He's the owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA, a rad-ass shop for nerds of all shapes and sizes. This is the part where I write anything in the script and JD reads it. Yeah, you effing with some wet-ass P-word. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet-ass P-word. Give me everything you got for this wet-ass P-word. With me this morning are people of which I am fondish. First up is Brian Lieb. Ooh. Trains A and B are traveling in the same direction on parallel tracks. Uh-huh. Train A is traveling at 60 miles per hour, and train B is traveling at 70 miles per hour. Okay. Train A passes... a. Passes Pasessa Station at twenty p.m. If train B passes the same station at twelve thirty-two p.m., at what time will the cafe car on train A serve lunch? It was twelve forty-two. The car it always the train always when you pass the station, lunch yeah. starts. I mean, I guess you guys are used to uh, no lunch train travel, which is fine. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, uh, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also with us today is Len the Bat Tribble. Len, in your opinion, what's the best non-animated Batman film? The best non-animated Batman film would be two things. So it would be <laughs> Batman Begins. Because it is actually the best full movie, not non-animated Batman, but the best piece of live action Batman is regrettably from BVS, which is the Batman wow. warehouse scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a full film. That's the best action sequence. <laughs> and also, I think the best, like the most Batman-like portrayal of Batman like mm-hmm. the the core of the character, um, not just that scene, but like kind of like the costume and like all kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a little murdery, but I mean, well, I murder- not great. The, <laughs> but, but he's murdery. But if that's supposed to be like the murder Batman, Batman that's fed up with shit, right? Yeah. That's true. I remember in the um, so like watching the uh, BBS tangent hashtag BBS um, <laughs> released the everything cut. Uh, when they did the different version of, or the extended version of it, the the master uni- uh, masters of the universe cut, I don't know. They added in more murder 
Uh, like in the in the PG thirteen version, you know, he throws him against a wall, but then they digitally added in brain <laughs> viscera on the wall. Yeah, they did. I'm like, yeah. come on, yeah. They added in a that, blood puddle. <laughs> how did that improve your your movie? If anything, it, it just like doubled down on the things that people had probably had issue with, like yeah. Batman being a crazy murderer. It's like they just yeah. added in more oh, hardcore. Weird. It was really funny. Yeah, I noticed that too. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Although it didn't, it doesn't bother me in that particular movie because that is the character arc for, for him in that film. Right. He's he's gone off the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Right. which is something that has happened to Batman in. It, not main continuity as much, but you know, there's some solid like alternate universe stuff like Dark Knight Returns where that happened. Last and gleefully so, Noel, say hi, you nerd. Hi. <laughs> anyway, thank you to everyone joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. If you like what we're doing here, please be sure to comment, subscribe, and share. Uh, comment below because that's half the fun of doing this. Besides hanging out with these numbskulls, we get to chat with you. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They're not numbskulls. He's defending your honor, guys. All right. Before kicking off the show, we have an announcement to make. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Uh, we will. Oh, we will not be streaming next Sunday or any Sunday after that. We're moving to Monday nights. Starting oh, Monday, yeah. starting Monday, August twenty third, and going forward. Um, so yeah, we're uh, because I don't know if you've noticed anyone. Um, he's pretty incognito. Uh, I've, got this, I've got this very loud, chunky boy. Chunky, uh, chunky, chunky boy. Um, that's B-O-I. And uh, he makes it very difficult to do a podcast on Sunday mornings. So Monday nights, at, at, he'll be asleep. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, have we, what, what time are we doing? I was going to say, we probably shouldn't do this live, but did we nail down an actual time? Was it 8.30, nope. 8.45? No. What's going on? If we bounced around between 8.30 and 9. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, the listeners, about it. No, and, and no, make our decision separately no, from what you said. No, no, we no, you know, belay that order. We would, we would prefer to come up with a time on our own and ask that you are able to join us at that time. Yeah, uh, it'll probably which, be like eight thirty. Yeah, right. Maybe, I mean, yeah, I, we're on Kai okay. time, so you got to tell us. Yeah. 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 Stay tuned uh, for what time <laughs> you should stay tuned at. Actually, you know what? Let's do over under bets. I'm thinking it's going to be close to 845 starts. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be nine. I, I'm being um, um, optimistic about the reality in my head that is not. <laughs> this this Monday, not not tomorrow, Monday, but right. this upcoming Monday. 9 p.m. is when we will be going live. Um, Dan H. says, good morning. Action Figure Expert says, hello, hello, hello. What's going on? How are you guys doing today? We're great. Um, and Jenny says, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Nothing that has to do with anything that's going on uh, right now. Uh, robot girlfriends, human boyfriends, three-way relationship, you know, the usual. Um before ki- oh no, but people pop. Well, okay, we've got letters. We've got letters. <laughs> we have letters. We have letter, 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 <laughs> letter, <one> letter. <laughs> so uh, it's called. It's from Christopher Goodnight, and the title of the letter is "So Noel is anti-semantic." Is the takeaway from last week's episode? 
Just kidding. Couldn't resist. On a miniseries, <laughs> what do you think is the proper length for a miniseries? And I, he's talking about comic books. Personally, I think 10 to 12 issues. They fit perfectly in a store folio case, and it keeps them from getting lost in a small or large comic box. If you do more than 13, it doesn't fit. And 13 is too small for an omnibus. An omnibus should be anywhere between 30 to 60. You should be able to fit everything, every issue from a comic series in an omnibus. You can get a few nice hardcover collections, but if they are too small, then you aren't really getting your money's worth. If I'm spending 20 to $30 on a hardcover, I want the whole story. I don't want to have to spend the same amount eight weeks later when the next part of the story is out in hardcover. Chris, St. Saucy, good night. P.S. What about that Why the Last Man trailer? I hope it does the show justice. The first season is 10 episodes, and it looked like I saw a scene from the cruise ship in it already, which I thought came much later than the first 10 issues. So thank you, Chris St. Saucy. Good night. Um, proper length for a miniseries. What? That's the thing. Okay, so a miniseries is like six issues. Uh, six to eight, yeah. 12 issues is a maxi series. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, but I think that's like that semantics, whether or not, you know, because 12 issues can still be considered a mini series if that's the whole story. So well, apparently I'm also anti-semantics. I think well, it, it, it's like much is dictated by the story itself. You know, there are some stories that five or six issues is really good. And then there's other ones that should be 12 issues. Um, but I do agree with him on the collection stands uh, part of things. Um, it just it bugs me when there are two parts in, in a limited in a limited series. Like the point of a collection is that it is the entire thing collected. At least that's what I want it to be. That's a catch twenty two though for publishers. So like something like uh, Far Sector, they mm -hmm. waited a year and change more because of the uh, um, pandemic mm. because they decided to collect it all in twelve mm. uh, to get new readers on. Whereas say something like Doomsday Clock they collected the first six and incentivized people to start picking it up on issues. I so suppose. Like which, one, which one's better, right? No, I, see, see, I disagree because I, with Far Sector, I think that is, was a publish, publishing strategy. With Doomsday, I think that that was them trying to make the best out of a late-ass book. Oh, that's true. That was like over but two they, years that those but twelve general, issues took. In, in general, they still kind of do it. So, like, let's uh, even the new the new Swamp Thing uh, by Ram V started in Future State. They just solicited a trade for the first four issues because it's supposed to be a ten issue thing mm -hmm. because they want to, you know, get some groundswell for this series that hasn't ended yet. I guess that does work as opposed to wait for those reasons. Almost yes. two years. Those do make sense. I was thinking of it more from a, uh, I don't know, aesthetic reader. standpoint. Yeah, as a reader. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. I like, have you guys seen, they've done this. If they just want to get people to check out a book, I don't think the four-issue trade paperback is entirely necessary. I think, you know, sometimes they put out those perfect bounds, like three issues in one issue. It's still a floppy. Hmm. But it's like, hey, here's the first three issues of this series that's out now. Hmm. If you hmm. want to, you know, an easy jump on point. That is a good idea. Yeah, they I did like that. Those. They did that with the um, uh, also like they did. They did that with the future. Some of the future state stuff. Right. And you accidentally bought like ordered like too many of them. What was it? Mm. Teen Titans. Yes. It was like Teen Titans number one, but it was really 
yeah. one and two together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, correction though, the um, the Swamp Thing is six issues because it's the first four of the mini and then the Future State stuff. Oh, cool! I hear that's actually very good. Yeah, so do I. So like, I'm I, but I don't. I don't need another monthly title personally. So like that would be something that I would maybe look into and trade. And if I fell in love with it, then I'll not wait. Yeah. I buy, I buy comics and trade and I don't mind buying them in trade. However, if it is a mini series, I just because I buy trades would prefer for it to be at least eight to 12 issues, just because I think that's a little bit more substantial of a, of a book. Um, I find that more often than not, when it is six issues, then there's almost always going to be a sequel that comes up and then there's going to be a collection of the 12 anyway. <laughs> so yeah. I would ju- just as soon as just knock out your whole, your whole 12. Uh, now, unless like, like they say, if you, you know, it's going to take you years in between the issues, you know, such as saga, then you collect it as it, as you will. But, um, I prefer for it to be like eight to twelve. That and to me, that would be the perfect length for a good series. Um, he mentions omnibuses. I mean, I I feel like I can speak eloquently to omnibuses, but um, <laughs> I think he said something like along the lines of like the perfect length is thirty to sixty issues. Do you have any idea how big a sixty issue omnibus would be? Yeah, like, nope, not yeah. openable. Yeah. See, the, I know the, the physical limitations are what they are, but it, there's a piece of me that is annoyed that they call a, a multiple volume thing an omnibus. Right. Just because an omnibus is all of it, you know? Yep. Well, wait. The same on. thing with like um, Th- Jason Aaron's complete collection Thor, vo- volumes one volume through four. <laughs> it's right. not a complete wait. collection. <laughs> uh, wait, so so having two volumes of an omnibus of a long run is is incorrect i think of omnibus as being like a book that is the totality of the thing and like Mm -hmm. i understand that you cannot have something like a justice league omnibus which would be 70 feet wide and impossible to open but like when they call it an omnibus i'm just like that's not an omnibus well the definition the definition is a volume ahead, containing several novels or other items previously published separately. Oh, interesting. Now, it doesn't it say doesn't that it has to be that all of... total thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, Mr. Calm, you're oh, wrong. Omni. It has the word Omni in it. And also bus for some reason. <laughs> and also bus, yeah. Right. <laughs> Every bus. <laughs> all the buses. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Danny oh. says, I decided to wait for a collected edition for Far Sector, and I feel like I've been waiting forever. That's it comes out in September. It comes out in September. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, wait, it was the, perfect, the perfect size for an omnibus is like 25 to 40 issues or 40-something issues. Like, uh-huh. Why the Last Man, for the next topic, is actually in omnibus. It's all 60-something issues, and it's a beast. It's not very easy to navigate as a large book. It's nothing but gutter loss. So, like, there's certain things that I think would be great in, and there's other things that you should probably just keep it in trade. So, yeah. Well, I like I like oversized art a lot, so I'm a big fan of deluxe editions. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if it's if the omnibus is too crazy, then you know, a 12 issue nice oversized hardcover of that Pia Guerra art. 
I like oversized art too. I don't need an omnibus of oversized art. That is just a that's just a book of paintings. Like I don't need that. <laughs> Uh, Justin says the Bone Omnibus collects everything Ooh. and is 1,300 pages and is a yeah. bear to read. But I it's imagine. small. It's small. It's a uh, nice size. You can yeah. and you can actually read it. It reads like a big, like a like a like a Bible, and it's not. No, it's no gutter loss to it. Yeah, that was a good. This series. is too much, right? This is too much. That's you 50 so? issues, isn't it? Yeah, 50 issues. Too much. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this would is be hard to read towards the middle. Okay, yeah, like like uh, for it's, practicality. It's not too, yeah, it's not yeah. too much in like a oh, I only wanted this many and I'm <laughs> full. No, it's too much as in the practicality of reading this yeah. in any other space is yeah, yeah. difficult. Yeah. Like I often read in bed. I was reading the the new Fifty Two Justice League last night, the, the omnibus, and it's just it's a decenter size and it's easy to just like hold up. Whereas this, I'd have to sit at a table no matter what. Yeah. That's actually why I don't really like hardcover uh, books like prose novels. Um, I always go with trade paperbacks, you know, trades uh, paperbacks. <laughs> uh, it, they're just so much easier to read. And it has taken me a little while to be like, eh, the hardcovers for comics, though, are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they often also are like a little bit better, I mean, glossier pages or whatever. The Batman Universe one was glossier and hardcover. And I'm like, this really needs the gloss. Um, but yeah, it is a kind of a different experience. Um, oh, uh, how 28, 28, 14 says, Hey GD, how was free comic book day? Your store yesterday. That's right. Yesterday was free comic book day. I hope everyone had a fun and I don't free prosperous. Fun, yeah. I don't know. Free comic book day. Uh, it was very nice. It was very nice. It wasn't as big as other free comic book days at my shop, uh, which I'm fine with because you know, COVID cases are on the rise, so I didn't want to be having too many people up in my joint. Um, How do you feel about the new date? Hmm? Uh, was there a new date? What was yesterday? Well, oh, no, as opposed no, no. to, it's I, usually the first, it's, it's usually the first uh, weekend of May, right? Yeah. I don't care. Uh, I mean, is this to be a, a permanent change, or that was just because they couldn't? I don't know. I, like, so last year, they spread it out to multiple days right. for yeah. COVID to not like get traffic, and then this year... Under the same pretenses, it's in late, like in August. I don't know if it's going to go back to it because the whole idea usually was that that May date coordinated with whatever giant superhero movie came out the first yeah. weekend of May, uh, right, which right. started the with the first Spider-Man film. Yeah, yeah, or more. Did it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first um, Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Hmm. Bless you. Yeah. Um. And Jenny says, I have watched a few episodes of Stargirl, and oh my god, yeah. it was so good. Told you! I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, That's awesome. I'm quite into it. The, the season premiere uh, was just this past week, and it was really oh, good. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what just started? Something else just started. Oh, what if? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you guys want to email us, you can go to cult, or you can email us at cult, cultpopgo at gmail.com. And that's it. Let's let's get on to the week's books. What do you think? Let's you do agree it. with me? Uh, Batman 89, number one from DC Comics by Sam Hamm and Joe Quinones. Mm. Step back into the Gotham of Tim Burton's seminal classic Batman movies. Batman 89 pulls on a number of threads left dangling by the prolific director. Gotham becomes torn too 
as citizens dressed as Batman and the Joker duke it out on the streets. As D.A. Harvey Dent tries to keep the city together, he targets the one problem tearing it apart. Batman. And he'll get Bruce Wayne's help in taking down the Dark Knight. I... Oh, well, that's right. I'm sorry. I just saw Dan H's comment. It was Titan season two. That's the other thing I was thinking of. Um, I just watched the first episode of the new season. Anyway, I, I was so excited. I, anyone who's been listening to my dumbass podcast for the past 10 odd years knows that there are two periods of time delineation in my childhood. There is pre Batman 89 and after Batman 89. <laughs> Uh, post, post, pre and post. So they're, they're both uh, P, it's pre, pre, it's pre, Bur- <laughs> it's, it's pre, Bur- pre, Burton, yeah. post Burton. Those are the eras yeah. of your life. <laughs> um, so I was super stoked. I remember when Joe Canones had done sketches uh, about Batman 1989 years ago on Twitter. He was showing them and uh, I was so excited. It got Catwoman and Penguin and the Batman. I, was, oh, I just thought they were so great. And so uh, I was pretty bummed that it never got picked up. I was like, what a great idea. I bet there's plenty of people out there who enjoy Batman 1990 as, as a comic book series. And so they finally did it. They did that. And they're also coming out with Superman 78, which oh, is yeah. a continuation of the Christopher Reeve Superman, my personal Superman of choice. Uh, so I'm also looking forward to that. This was the book I was the most excited about this whole month. I was very, very excited for this book. And I thought it was fine. Um, I don't know who Sam Ham is, but I also um, I think really? part of my problem is that I don't. Yeah, who's Sam Ham? He's the, he's the, he's the, the writer of the screenwriter of, the, of, of Batman. No shit. <laughs> From 1989. <laughs> no shit. And he was. And he was. He was uh, notoriously or famously fired from Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, tell tell yeah. me more. Why was he fired from Batman Returns? Uh, How do Burton I not know this? To- I'm ashamed of myself. Burton wanted to do something else. So like yeah. there's a there's, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> there's a bunch of there's a bunch of like I, I don't know if they are still anymore. Probably it's the internet. There was a bunch of like original drafts of of Batman and Batman Returns, uh his versions of those stories just like hmm. rolling around. Yeah, yeah could, now Burton this pretty, could Burton change his script for Batman the for for Batman eighty nine a lot mm-hmm. around a lot too. And no um kidding. And you know he he took the job he he signed on he did the job but yeah. he's like yo dog like we made some dumbass changes like mm. she's not supposed to just show up in the fucking bat cave and just be like oh hi Bruce uh-huh. like like no no, yeah. no all, all of that all of that oh, oh yeah. I also remember um, reading the novelization when I was a kid and the ending is very different that's the first time mm-hmm. I ever read a novelization of a film that really I guess different. used the original script as opposed to, mm. or at least well, yeah, it's so different from the original script that it was noticeable in the novel. The novelizations have to start either during yeah. or before filming. Right. So they only go off the script in some like pre-production art. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But yeah, the end has like Batman in a cowl, but the rest of his suit is a tuxedo and mm. he gets on a police horse and there's a police horse chase. So mm. it's like Bruce Wayne in his bat cowl, wearing a tuxedo, riding a horse. Mm. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, that. um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, thank you for letting me know. Uh, that's embarrassing. I feel like I should know that, Sam Ham. Um, the, the comic was just fine. Um, it, it was interesting enough. Uh, I'm definitely going to read the entire series. Like, I'm still excited about the series. But, it, you know, even Noel was like, you're, you're going to suffer from, like, over expectation on this. You know yeah. that, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah I know. 
it's fine. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. It's it's a it's a pretty fun little comic. Um, I like seeing um, Colt forty five. Um, Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. Has, uh, has, um, uh, Two Face is coming up, right? I guess we're going to have a Two Face of Billy D. Williams, as was promised in Batman '89. Um, they wound up recasting him as Tommy Lee Jones, and um, so that, that's kind of fun. And that's we get to your, see Robin. That's your benchmark for Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. Yeah, isn't that everybody's? No. no, he was in some movie about a Star no. Wars something. Yeah. He's in like he's he's crossed paths with like every single popular <laughs> fiction <laughs> franchise, and it's just like oh those those beer commercials, those commercials from the mid eighties to late nineties. I'm like, the one, yeah, that one. Um, sorry, I'm sorry. Well, to me at the time when those when those I think um, those beer commercials were happening, I was like, oh, it's that guy from Batman. Um, oh, so uh, I don't even remember them. No, no, the beer commercials even predate Batman. <laughs> or maybe or it was when Batman came around. out. I was like, oh, it's that guy from the beer commercials. Anyway, um, what did you guys think of Batman 89? <laughs> oh, one final comment. One of the things I like so much about Joe Canone's sketches for the Batman 99 how good the likenesses were. And I think, I don't know if it's on purpose, but I feel like some of the likenesses of Bruce Wayne fluctuate wildly in this, um, in this comic book. And um, uh, I'm also confused as to the timeline. How, what time period is this? Because when we finally see Bruce, he's an old man with gray in his temples and stuff. So I guess it's, you know, I assumed it would pick up directly after Batman Returns, but this looks like it's in the future from uh from that so uh well anyway, i think they're know. i think they're overcompensating because if i remember from batman returns there is a slight hint of gray in michael keaton's hair uh, there I, oh really it, it's certainly not super prominent at all but yeah. i think there's a and, and i think he maybe just just ods on it here and yeah, i think the part. colorist went a little crazy with it like mm. if if he you know crossed hatch side Hair right. and just like make it salt and pepper, but the colorist was just yeah. like Reed Richard, got it. <laughs> right, right, also, right. His, also, his head is so long. Um, just the drawing does, of Michael Keaton, head. he's got like a really uh, long he- face. So the, yeah. the the likenesses in the actors or in in the in the characters reminded me very much of how they did that first run of of Buffy George's Janty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they looked a little like the characters but they weren't so slavishly yeah the mm. actors right I, and it wasn't it wasn't a uh it wasn't a legal choice it was just that was his art style and you you know you were able to see the difference between buffy and another blonde but it didn't exactly look like sarah michelle geller so i just mm. kind of switched that in my brain and i was fine but you know you say that wasn't a legal choice but i wouldn't be surprised if it if it isn't this was yeah, because you, I mean, maybe we grew up in the time where, you know, in Marvel's Ultimates, famously yeah. were made Samuel Jackson, uh, Nick Fury in that comic book. And if you remember the original comic book, um, Wanted had a Eminem as the, yeah. the lead and Halle Berry as yeah. the as the other, like the, the cat chick or whatever in there. Um, so, 
And, you know, they messed around with that. In today's culture, you use somebody exact likeness. Oh, they mm. coming after you for some t- some piece of coin for that. Well, I wonder that. also. Go back into that. JD, you're moving. Yeah, yeah that's Steve Dillon, dude. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder also, Len, in those instances, those actors hadn't portrayed those characters. So you mm-hmm. could just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's a thing that looks like this person that exists or whatever. Whereas this would be even more like this would be more agreed. that character. Yeah. yeah. So you pro- so you probably like you you it's one thing to do it as a sketch that you put out on the Internet. But if you're going to put this out there for publication, which means right, for right. pay. Yeah, you yeah. want to like maybe tweak it a little bit so it looks kind of like Michael Keaton and yeah. um, yeah. Billy D. Williams. And I was um, just reading uh, about Crispin Glover this morning on an unrelated topic, but oh, you know yeah. we all know he uh, it, like changed the rule or he got the rules changed about using somebody's likeness, and mm-hmm. that may apply in this case. Like that, uh, that whatever legal precedent may apply, even if it's not uh, film. Huh. I don't yeah. know. I have no idea. It's all conjecture. Really like it, it could just be an artist's choice, too. That's true. I really like how the costume was portrayed, though. I thought that worked really well. You know, the uh, the Batman 89 costume, just, but with white eyes. They're all yeah. Burton characters. All of them. Isn't that cute? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool. I had noticed Lydia that. Dietz, uh, Mars Attacks. Um, you even got the, the two characters from Beetlejuice down here yeah. on the left. Oh, that's awesome. So when I saw when I saw JD yesterday, <clears throat> I read this earlier this week. When I saw JD yesterday for the first time this week, I asked him if he had read this yet, and I was washed with a wave of relief when he said it was just fine because <laughs> I was afraid that I was going to be the only one that was like, "eh, it was fine." So and I didn't want to like uh, yuck his yum, knowing that you're so very very reverent to the original source or to the source material. So I was like. Okay, that's okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was mediocre. Yeah. It was just mediocre. I'm not exactly sure what it was. It was mediocre. I think right? it's the script. I th- like the art's fine. It's serviceable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the script is so front loaded, and I don't. Even though I've seen the movie and I'm familiar with all these characters, just in general, anyway, everyone sounded um, off. Everyone sounded off. Uh, like from Jim Gordon to Harvey Bullock, everyone just, I don't know. It was, um, it was weird. It was like, I was reading an outline. I, I, I didn't really enjoy this very much. Unfortunately, I was really excited for it too. Cause this is to me, this is not just about Batman 89. This could have potentially been kind of a way to revisit all types of different continuities and multimedia. Mm-hmm. Like if this was popular, then we could see sequels to other things and we could see, you know, cause like boom studios has figured it out with Buffy and firefly, like they can continue IP, but you know, Marvel and DC sitting on all this stuff mm-hmm. that was popular to some franchises that could, they haven't done it. Oh, yet. It's still so Superman this 78. Awesome. If that is uh will receive, I am not excited for that at all because oh, I really? don't care. I don't care for the creative team at all. Oh, I don't know I, the creative. Team. I don't like Robert Venditti and I don't like Alfredo Torres. So, like, even if it's a oh, okay. property, I'm not fans mm. of the creative team. So it's I don't know mm. this to me. This was like the shot across the bows that could have been awesome. And it was just at best fine. The the end sequence when he meets the the family and stuff, that's the only thing yeah. that felt organic in the entire story. I like that, too. I thought that was a really interesting way to introduce uh, yeah, Robin. That's, that's all that was cool. That yeah. was the only thing that was really cool in this. 
all the one, all the machinations of of Harvey Dent, I didn't care. I mean, we have talked before about when novelists transition into uh, writing a comic, and that mm-hmm. it you know sometimes their their more uh, prose approaches don't mm-hmm. really work as well in comics. And I don't know how many comics Sam Ham has written, but he doesn't have well, anyone to act. Arguably, words, you know? arguably a screenwriter should be a, a, like less of a heavy lift than a novelist because they are used to just dealing with dialogue and scene setting, right? In their, yeah, but like, less is more. True, but also they're used to like this other stage in the process. They don't do a, a finished thing. You know what I that's mean? So to, I wonder. That's up to choke. Kinonis. like just like right. it's up to the actors it's also up to i i'm, I'm saying uh, I, i'm not disagreeing that maybe he's having format trouble but comparing it to a novelist and a, and a professional screenwriter i think it should it should technically be a, a a lighter lift for a screenwriter than a novelist a novelist having hundreds and hundreds of more words to set up scene whereas a screenwriter should be very used to dialogue setting dialogue setting action kind of thing right well, I think the other thing that might be messing up. Sam Ham does have some comic comic book uh, credentials in it, uh, in, his, in his back. Not a lot, but he's got some because he was definitely a name because of the success of Batman '89 and did some work for DC around that time on Batman. But I think what also is, you know, um, we're bumping up against is that Sam Ham back in 1989 wasn't a young dude, so he's a older guy now so you know his he's writing from a totally different point of view with a total different sense of writing and aesthetics and his whole read on on these characters and trying to harken back to how he felt in 1989 like i think the harvey dent and maybe it's because i hear it in billy d the 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 dialogue in billy d williams voice comes off as authentic as in yeah i can hear billy d williams saying this now that being said i like billy d williams but i don't think he's the world's greatest actor anyway so he's (laughs) he's, so him saying mediocre dialogue sounds about on par for (laughs) billy d williams so it read as true to me um i think the biggest problem that i had with the comic and i kind of like agree with with you and uh noel jd it's just like like, eh, is that pieces of the story feel like things I've seen before. Like a big jail heist in, in the beginning. I've seen that before. You know, uh, Harvey Bullock going, I mean, not Harvey Bullock, I'm um, Harvey um, Dent going to, you know, play hero. I've seen that before. You know, the Robin thing I think feels more organic because we haven't necessarily seen that before, but if you were if you remember the original origin of Jason Todd, it kind of feels a little bit like that too. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, ah, I've seen this before. It's just, it's, it's just been cast different. The only thing that sounded even a little different was Barbara Gordon is a cop now. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And she didn't look like traditional redhead Barbara. Oh, Batman, okay. Be- oh, Batman Beyond though. <laughs> she was oh. uh Jesus okay. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. But th- that's old Barbara. That's after. That's, oh, that's after true. That's a good point. The life Barbara. This is young, sexy Barbara. That's true. Look at her with her shoulders all out. You know who I think, I that think is? it was weird to not give her red hair. Like, is that Sean why? Young? No, I think uh, it's um, um, 
Ah, oh, shit. Heather, Rider. Stranger Things. Winona Ryder. Yeah, I could see that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Sean Young would have been a good cool, good pull. I see what you're doing there, Noel. Yeah, that. thank you. Um, but uh, I I seem to remember, and I could be. Oh, now I gotta I gotta. I'm not home. I would break out my back issue magazine that's all about Batman '89, the movie. Um, but I seem to remember that uh, Winona Ryder played a part, or possibly was considered for a, a, a part in that the Batman universe. And would make sense as to why he... Oh, there we go. Oh! You got one for yourself. There you go. Huh. Now, guys, that? I didn't I didn't feel like... I thought I, I had my copy. I don't. Yeah. Go for it. That's a great issue. And if you had read it, instead of just having it in your, in your store, huh. you'd have heard the name Sam Hamm. So I I have mine. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I I may have read the name Sam Ham, but it didn't stick with me enough to be like, oh, yeah. this is the writer that. Did yeah, how yeah. can you forget a name like Sam Ham? It sounds like he's yeah. from a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> I have mine. <laughs> I have mine stored in my. Um, uh, I loaned JD one of my absolutes, so all of the magazines that I have are just in. <laughs> Yeah, so like my magazine is in my Wonder Woman Azarello sleeve. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like it was so much stilted, although it kind of amounts to the same thing, as it felt like a tie-in comic to the mm. movie back then. You know what I mean? Like cereal that, box, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it's just like Batman set pieces that you know from Batman, you know, uh doing a little more Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I but I always, I, I almost always have a problem going from one level of reality like down to something. Yeah. You know, if it's uh, I don't usually read books based on TV shows, even if I really love the shows, and I like you know like just that kind of thing. It doesn't feel like the same thing, uh, yeah. and this doesn't. You know, it's not going to be another Batman movie starring Michael Keaton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So even though you know it's what? 30 wonder... years removed, it still has that effect on you? I think it's more of a lack of effect is what it is. Then I'm like, oh, this doesn't, this isn't the fullness of the other thing. It's still good. Like, it's still cool. But it's, it, it's not something that I usually, like, slot into the, uh, it, like, is this continuity with those movies? If you want it to be, sure. But, you know. Um, I wonder if I would have liked it better if it was an animated film, because then you would get yeah. um, the score and everything, yeah. which is a big part of that movie. Oh, that would have been awesome. Like the Batman right? 66 uh, animated stuff was crazy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's see. Uh, Defenders number one from Marvel Comics by Al Ewing with art by Javier Rodriguez. When existence itself faces extraordinary threats it needs an extraordinary defense and that's when you call dot 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 the defenders dr strange and the masked raider take a non-team of marvel's weirdest wildest heroes on a mission that will uncover the hidden architecture of reality itself this cosmos was not the first to exist but if the defenders can't track marvel's oldest villain through the deepest trenches of time it might be the last (gasps) what 
Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> this Javier Rodriguez of History of the Marvel Universe, written by Mark Wade uh, in Treasury Edition. Also oh, now in Trade Paperback that. Edition. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice. The art on this book was uh, awesome, too. Uh, he does a yeah, really good Silver Surfer and and a yeah. very good Doctor Strange too. He does a really good everything. Yeah, yeah. Javier um, Rodriguez is great. Yeah. I read this. I read this last night at like eleven thirty, and then I read it again at twelve, and I still don't entirely know what the fuck happened, but I still kind of liked it. Same. Although I think I, I know no what idea happened. What I think I kind of got it. Yeah, I got what happened. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about the defenders, so all of like the cloud and this and that and the type and the the the, the planet that they end up at and what they're doing. Oh, you don't know what planet read, that is? Hang on, hang, I read it and I okay. was just like, this. They're saying it and it's even bolded in the dialogue, like it mm-hmm. means something, but I don't know what the fuck it is. So well, you still if you read the history of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade and Javier right. Rodriguez, they, you will know they did that not get into it. It wasn't the history of the last Marvel Universe, JD. Yeah, <laughs> it was this one. That. Um, yeah. that is I mean, this Galactus's is, this is home the reality. Planet. This is the reality before Galactus, because Galactus is a holdover from, uh, yeah, uh, an unseen yeah. crisis, right? An unseen um, crisis on infinite earth sort of thing where like all yeah. of reality ended and he was the last remaining person uh to come from that previous version of the marvel universe that we've never really yep. seen and now he devours worlds on our reality right am i am i have that correct do i have that correct yeah yeah, yeah. but what's what's omnimax is that a so that, that is know? the that must be the galactus of that that universe. Or that, that universe. Oh, right. so that's yeah. the that's the Galactus before Galactus, and this Galactus, yeah, like, right. the person that survives whatever this right. is going to be, will be our Galactus, just like how in the history of the Marvel Universe, which exactly. is told by Franklin Richards, who that's ascends exactly to right. the next universe, will become their Galactus. Exactly. Nice. Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's awesome. And, oh, nice. and that Thank planet, you. Galactus was Galen of Ta. That is his home planet. Is right. Uh, where Ta. They land up. Yeah. Ah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I like it more now, now. As far as nice. knowing anything about the Defenders, you don't need to know anything about yeah. the previous history of, of the Defenders. Be, really, the only tie into the original Defenders in this is Doctor Strange, who mm-hmm. pretty much has been in every comic book permutation of mm-hmm. the Defenders, and the Silver Surfer, who was kind of dipped in and out, but yes. was in the original um, Defenders. And even then, he was in in there for like a couple of issues and realized oop, he's too he's too powerful let's ship uh-huh. him out um but other than that you don't need to know anything else the mass raider he actually was a western hero and now they've retconned him into he's been a mass raider of nine thousand different things nobody could just be yeah. one of right them. The, the well, we, we that, that, that on the show i think uh that yeah, was marvel that- 1000 yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. And Everybody gets also- a fucking legacy now. So now the Mar- yeah, Mass Ra- Raider was a legacy. So that's all you really need to know about him. Other than that, he's basically the question in this fucking comic book. Well, he has powers, though, also. I, oh, yeah. Okay, okay, they switch it up. Of his, course, they gotta mask, change it up. His mask allows... I remember this from 1000. His mask allows him to match whatever his opponent's able to do. So yeah. even though he doesn't know magic, when Strange comes at him with magic, he's able to defend it instinctively. Like the yeah. mask only matches your opponent, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. 
Yeah. So he's, he's a macerator, aka Taskmaster. Then, um, yeah. <laughs> and we had a conversation about how if he went up against a baby, he would still have his full man strength. He would not be reduced to the strength of the baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, Justin, the Hulk, the Hulk was a defender at a point. Justin Agnew asked, was the Hulk a defender at a point? Yes, the original defenders were Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Namor. Uh, Namor and the Silver Surfer. Those were the original the defenders. The classic defenders were Doctor Strange, the Hulk, uh, Nighthawk, Valkyrie, and then sometimes Hellcat. That's the, the Marvel's defenders are Daredevil, <laughs> Luke Cage, Iron Fist, uh, and uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, Jessica Jones. Thank you. No, that's Netflix Marvel. Uh, Wait, Netflix hold on, no, no. Is Marvel's. There was a. It was Bendis and Marquez. Eleven issues, and it was fantastic. It was all street uh, level, and they took the name Defenders. Oh, uh, yeah, it was good. No, so uh, they so they co opted right. the yeah. name Defender. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you went classic, and then I was, just, and then original and classic. I figured like new street flavor, and their deal. No, like one reason why their history doesn't matter as much is because the way that they come together in this book is how they always come together, right? Yep. Like they're not just team. random. Yeah, yeah, or like he pulls in whoever he can or has to. Like they've never really been a cohesive group. They're just like right there. Um, uh, despite despite not completely understanding the ins and outs, all the things that are being referenced, which often happens with an Al Ewing book, he is very seated in um, historical as well as just like fiction mm-hmm. knowledge. And he doesn't talk down to you as a reader, which I've always appreciated. And despite all of that, I still enjoyed this not knowing, which to me tells me it's an even stronger book than mm-hmm. I maybe re- realized. You know, like even when it's confusing it's still engaging. The art is still spectacular. The pacing was still really fun. And you understood the, at least the characters kind of motivations where they were in the moment. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, I, the, the climax at the end, I did not know where the fuck they were, what the fuck they were looking <laughs> at and what the fuck happens next. But I understood like, Oh, this is a reference. This is a big deal. That thing looks like Galactus. What's happening next? Like even mm. the way that they presented it to me indicated to me that this was enjoyable. Nice. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. 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 Whereas other things would make it feel like it's impenetrable or at arm's length. This like invited me in and in the inside yeah. jokes. Come in. It's fine. It, it's the fine. only part of this that I didn't get into was the like, why does the masked raider? Why do they fight in the beginning? There's <laughs> like a gun apparently no reason, and then he he's puts like, a gun at him. Well, he that's what I'm saying. Head. Like he points a gun at him, and then in the mid fight, he's like, "Actually, let me tell you what's going on." <laughs> like, why? This was one superhero beginning fight that I thought was not that well founded, but oh. you know, then we were off and everything was fine. And apparently, this ties into the Iron Man series that I am not reading that I want yes. to read. Did that not come out a while ago? It's yes. in issue like ten or eleven now. Okay, yeah. and this is referencing like issue. Two or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess but the whole Korvac thing is actually like over there. It has nothing to do with this story. They were really just like setting up. Yeah. Which I think was also in Marvel Universe 1000, where that group mm-hmm. also yeah. is the group that created Adam Warlock. Um, mm-hmm. I think this, the thing with that scientist is really interesting, where he's got this magic to go back in time. And I, I thought also the guy who created the magic was very cool. I don't know if that's a pre existing thing in um in marvel continuity 
but he like becomes all powerful and he decides to make himself the creator of everything, mm-hmm. but let everything else play out as it had been. Cause he just wanted the knowledge of it or whatever. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting, yeah. an interesting side note. He just wanted the omnibus. He just wanted the omnibus <laughs> all in one. <laughs> Get it. Cool. Yeah, this was a fun really book. Cosmic stuff also, cool. I really like the scientist sensible sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> he is on his feet all day. Yeah. Yeah. And he is the kind of scientist that probably runs, you know, from things or from uh, various people trying to stop him from doing whatever he does. I just I also just love how how Javier Rodriguez depicted the magic to like the the book having different pages and then it, you know, turns into the teabag in his tea. Like, it's just it's all so thoughtful. Yeah. um, This page here. Oof, so good with the. The tea, mm. uh, steam, the steam mm-hmm. making the story. I thought that was really nicely done. The shading, the coloring on it, it was, oh, it's, it's a beautiful page. Well, here's the one thing. Here's one thing I will say about Javier Rodriguez, and there's tons of great things I can say about him. But he one does not take a page off. Um, nope. He's always imaginative with his with his layouts, his panel designs, but never in sacrificing the storytelling. And right. that is I appreciate so much. Me and JD, we've talked about it about how one of our most favorite artists of all time, J.H. Williams, is a fantastic artist, but sometimes you just cannot understand what's going on in his pages. Turn comic around. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you just you lose track of the story. Where's yeah. the bubble? Does, does not sacrifice the story at all. And even if, like, Noel said, you if you get lost, you don't really know the characters. I mean, there's not a whole lot of character building. They kind of much pretty much just come together. So you just get a rough intro into them because I wasn't aware that Betty Banner was now the red harpy. I'm like, yeah, damn, yeah. It's, they just effing Betty up. She just can't get a break. But you know, um, but okay, I'm with it. I didn't know, but I didn't care because it looked cool. It is a be- it's a beautiful comic book. It's it's well yeah. drawn. It's it's well designed. It's it's fun. It's engaging. The pacing is is on point. It was cool. It was dope. It was yeah. a fun do, time. Yeah. I, do you I did not expect any... to. Enjoy... You didn't expect to enjoy it, JD? Enjoy this? No, I don't care about yeah. the defenders ever, except for the yeah. Michael Bendis one. But that's not really the defenders. That's not really the defenders. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of the Lent was railing off there, you know, telling out the 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 defenders uh, at one point. I was like, this is a who's who of JD doesn't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> all of these different characters: Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, um, Namor. For God's sakes, like, oh God, I just the the team that I, JD cares about the least. And this was awesome. I really like the new additions. Um, I never like reading Namor. So I'm glad that we like sort of subbed out some characters in lieu of these newer characters, Red Harpy and uh, the Master Raider. So uh, I'm definitely going to check this out. I really enjoyed this. Can we can we take a two second um, Hulk tangent? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I implore anybody that didn't like go to free comic book data to pick up the Avengers Hulk issue. Because it was, it essentially kind of premiered Donny Cates' version of the Hulk oh, sweet. in the back issue. Um, and it is the weirdest, but also makes the most sense premise. 
I don't know if I want to spoil it, but it's just like, oh, this book is going to no. be wildly different than Immortal Hulk. Mm. Everyone should give it just give it a shot. It's funny. Sweet. Nice. Hey, uh, speaking of art, I saw do plenty you guys of copies. see? <laughs> at JD Destructo, uh, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, forty three twenty seven Main Street. Sweet. Yeah, that's that's the place. That's the one. Um, I'm going to compare him to two different artists. I want to see what you guys think. I see a little modernized, like Steve Ditko. Okay. In here, and also a different style of classic, but similar in its classicness to Nick Nick Darrington. I see that. I can see that. In coloring, definitely in coloring. Mm. Like uh, in, I think we're going to see Nick Darrington a little later. Um, I see. I see Dick, Nick Darrington in um, the unbelievable Unteens more than this, yeah. but yeah. Oh, that's I interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Ditko one really. You know, it's like a new wave of that style of art. Like I really appreciate his classic Marvel with modern tone and sensibilities style. Agreed. You know, it's really yeah. cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's talk about that. Cause I don't know if I saw Darrington personally in unbelievable on teens. I'm sorry. You want, he wants to go to unbelievable on teens. Yeah. It was oh, a you great want to go to and I, oh, okay. Then let's let's yeah. jump to that. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, it's the next one. We're not jumping at all. Dark Horse <laughs> by Jeff Lemire and Tyler Crook. After signing at a comic book convention, unbelievable unteens artist Jane Ito finds herself visited by one of the characters from her own creation. But was it her own creation? Were the unteens an actual school of teenage misfit superheroes who battled supervillains under the lead of the mysterious Dr. Miles Moniker? And if so... Who wiped their memories and why? As Jane's world is turned upside down and she learns the true nature of her identity, she discovers a sinister plot leading her to assemble a team she has suspected was purely fictional. Uh, this is probably my favorite book of the week. Uh, I read it this morning and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, this is part of the World of Black Hammer from Jeff Lemire. So... Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone else can tell me because I've only read a, a couple of issues of Black Hammer, which I really liked, but I uh, have not finished the Black Hammer series. And there are nth uh, amount of miniseries from the world of Black Hammer. I don't know if this actually, if you have to know anything about Black Hammer to read this. Um, no, no. I you didn't. don't even know uh, This feels How like a whole new thing. I think it's just set in the universe because I don't, it, at least from my remembering, because having read the, the main Black Hammer um, storyline, I don't think that this touches on anything that's revealed or from that series. I think it's just the idea is that, you know, this is set in that same world. Like, is right? this a comic? Like, does this as a comic ever show up in Black Hammer? No, not that. Not, I, not, not, that you not, yeah, not no. to my knowledge either. Like all of these World of Black Hammer books, it's like it's what's the thing like when um when it's when everything matters, nothing matters. It's like mm -hmm. they just keep slapping it, uh, the World of Black Hammer onto disparate miniseries that mm -hmm. might exist, but doesn't really matter if it does. So it's just right. Like, how do I follow this? I don't know. It's it's almost a, oh it's 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 like um it's like how the Hellboy shit is done, like mm -hmm. the universe. It's like right. there are five thousand miniseries. Most of them don't touch each other. I don't know how to read this, so I just won't. <laughs> yeah, 
So I, I wouldn't, I don't sweat that. Just yeah. take it as, as it is. One at a time kind of thing. The only yeah, I mean, I didn't know that it was. No. You don't see Nick Darrington in these faces, the face, the, the face construction. And I think it's, it's a lot looser than Nick Darrington unless um, um, a detail is Nick Darrington. I, I see. I can see. I, I can see. see where, I see where JD is. Is like in, just in the it. facial expressions. Yeah, just the well, way the faces well, are constructed. And yeah, the, 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 the way they're drawn, the actual the actual drawing of them. Yeah. I can see. I, I think where the water. Going. I think the so, watercolor nature of it is taking away from that too. Maybe which, you know, if it was colored in a different way. So when it yeah. when it gets into the when it gets into like the comic book version of stuff in this book, um, I see more Jeff Shaw, and especially because I literally just read a whole mini series about comic books kind of bleeding into the real world yeah. called Crossover. Mm. So mm. I was like, okay, like when they get to this part, this is oh, that's all. That's like Jeff Shaw. Um, you think? I mean, the way that it, it was like depicted 80s. in crossover. Yeah. What did Jeff Shaw do? I'm not familiar with him. Crossover. Oh, he did that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking. I was seeing just kind of like mm, 80s, early mid 80s comic. Was no, that's the look they're going yeah. for. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know any of those artists to name them. You know who the I, who I'm thinking. I am. Um, I uh, I. This this didn't hit me very much. I think I'll probably be the only one that just thought this was okay because it just mm. was it was a a trope and theme that I feel like I've read a lot recently. Mm-hmm. So I was like, mm. all right, cool. And uh, yeah, it was it was fine. I, cool. Like I didn't dislike it. It just was fine. Mm. I, I probably will not read the rest of this. See, I agree with you that especially because we we read a lot of comic books it does mm-hmm. kind of feel like you know a road that we've traveled down a little bit but i also think that this is more accessible than something like crossover was yeah. you know story wise i think the i think the the more intimate nature of this story and and this book being primarily a two man story you know these two characters talking to one another as they kind of like try to rediscover one another one another makes it a little bit more intimate more personal story that while it does travel down that same road it feels different enough for me that i enjoyed it and i found myself believe I can't believe it. Getting invested in the story, having fun, wanting to know what was going on, waiting for the light to flick in this character's um, brain so that she remembers that she actually is this strobe character. Wondering like about this whole Jack character who appears to be a ghost. Oh, was he a ghost in real life? Oh, no, he wasn't. He was actually a brother in real life. Oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm seeing what's going here. I actually found it to be surprisingly very, very funny. Um, Original enough. Touching. The art is is very good, very evocative, Mm. well told, very good storytelling. And I enjoyed it. And I like JD think this was my favorite comic of the of the um, this week. Nice thing. I fall fall somewhere in between. Um, I I did like it. I liked the way that the story was told, but I did find myself thinking like 
this is not anything that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, and not even the crossover power, although that is that is pretty recent and not dissimilar. Just the general idea of like these characters, these characters were real. Something happened or whatever, right? right? It just right. felt that way. This is also Jeff Lemire, and I don't think that the story will continue to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I I don't think I've ever read anything of his that I didn't like. I don't um, think I- so I, I have a I have a dissimilar relationship with Jeff Lemire, whereas mm. I try it constantly and only some oh, of yeah. it. Only I only like some of it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, I can't say I've read the full body of his work. Like, there's a lot of stuff of his that I, I haven't read. The full body yeah. of his work is the size it's of big. the state of Texas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it, but at the same time, for some reason, I found myself uh, when when the character Jack is his name, I think, uh, goes and meets with the artist, the writer-artist. I had myself, found myself having, like, a a more personal experience of that or a more visceral experience that I wouldn't normally have in that state. It's like, oh, no, this guy, he's, he's obviously, uh, is what he says he is. But for some reason, I was experiencing it more on her end of, like, the before he does his power stuff, he could just be some guy who dressed up as... Yeah. Is her, her creation and how unsettling that would be. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it reminded me of Umbrella Academy a lot too. Uh, you know, like their a team little bit, yeah. was very, I, I, yeah. I got that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, there was like, there was, yeah. there was New Mutants, there was X-Men, there was Umbrella mm. Academy, there was, there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. So what was it? What was the name of the thing at the end? The White Wraith, something. I was like, yeah. oh, you think Dark Phoenix Saga? That's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I like that that's like her idea of how she would finish it if she ever got around to it. But it was the whatever last adventure of their team. Um, so, yeah, there was something about it that didn't seem all that new, but mm. it would, like, I'd check out another issue or two. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, I mean, I'm going to, I say this, but, you know, time being what <laughs> You it definitely is. want to. I, I definitely would like to. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I just like with a lot of the other um, Black Hammer series that we've tried, I don't outwardly hate this. Actually, um, I was just last week reading for the first time Descender, which is another Jeff Lemire book. Hmm. I didn't, I don't actively dislike it. There's, it's just so, it's. While I'm reading it, I feel detached from from everything that's going on. It's like checking a box. And I started to feel that here. With Descender, I got past the first arc and it was like, oh, I, I think I get it now. I think yeah. I know why people are, are getting this and I'm starting to fall for it. Maybe it's just runway with Jeff Lemire. Like he needs more mm-hmm. one runway for me than one issue. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all that's here is like a couple of good ideas for me. And then the rest of it's just, all right, that's fine. I've read it. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's move on. Um, let's see. Hey, you know what, guys out there, guys and gals and non-binaries hanging out with us? Uh, it, you can like and subscribe. That would be great. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. We stream there as well. If you look for Cult Pop Podcast on Facebook, uh, we have a Patreon. So if you want to become a patron and help us, um, that would be great, too. We would we I would that would be nice. You could go to Patreon dot com slash Johnny Destructo. Uh, we usually use that money to buy Brian uh, headphones when he uh, breaks his or loses them. Yeah. Every so, ever uh, Tuesday. That's keep, right. You know what, us- guys? I found my old headphones in the kind of place where I'm like, how did I not see these before? 
they were, <laughs> they were in my I, ears uh, this whole time. This whole time. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, but if you don't have any money and you don't want to give us your money, that's fine. I understand that. I wouldn't want to give us money anyway. Um, but you can just, cool. you know, hang out with us and tell your friends about us and uh, join us Monday nights at 9 p.m. when we are going to be switching from uh, doing it Sunday mornings at 1030 to Monday nights at 9 p.m. Same content for the most part. Um, I'm hoping maybe we could bring back some Asterpiece theaters because those are just fun to do. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, because I have a baby who's fine, he's finally asleep. I put him in his little his stroller and he's sleeping. But um, if you've been with us uh, the past six months on Sunday mornings, you know that's not always the case. So, um, yeah, we're going to move it to Monday nights at 9 p.m. And uh, come hang out. We'll have a beer. We can all have some beers together. Maybe some hard ciders. I don't know. Whatever you're into. Uh, roll, roll a big fat blunt and uh, puff, puff, pass uh, <laughs> as you watch us and hang out with us. We're going to move on to Hardware Number 1, another comic that came out this week. This one's from DC Comics and is part of the... Milestone. milestone line of DC books. Uh, this one's by Brendan Thomas with art by Dennis Cohen and Bill Sienkiewicz. Curtis Metcalf was the brightest shining star of Alva Industries, a brilliant scientist mentored by Edwin Alva since childhood. Mm. Until the failures of Alva technology at the Bing Bang disaster threatened to destroy the company and Alva needed a scapegoat. Now, Curtis is on the run from the Dakota Police Department, but a man as smart and paranoid as Curtis takes precautions. With a nearly indestructible suit of armor and remarkable inventions that he never handed over to Alva, shh, don't tell, <laughs> Curtis stands determined to do much more than clear his name. He's going to take the fight back to Alva himself. And now that's, that's what they told us about the book. I wish I had read that before reading this because uh, yeah, I was a little confused. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I have very minimal experience of the original Milestone series, series of series from the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. Early 90s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone knows Static, right? Sure. Static Shock had a TV show, which is very cool. Um, and so I've never read hardware before. This is my first hardware. And I wasn't sure if, and if anyone can tell me, do, do the stories here have anything to do at all with the original Milestone? It basically is the original um, stories. It basically is the original story. Oh, but, okay. So but, we're just retelling with, them for a modern audience. Without right. the yeah. origin, because... This is like they other than static, they just keep skipping the origin like they've reading like sequel series. Well, well, icon, no, I icon, no, icon's the origin. Icon yeah, Icon was origin. Yeah, I mean, I felt one. like this was an origin story as well. Like he I mean, used it's this is his like he used to work for Alva and then Alva screwed him over and now he's on the run. He's in the run as as like a Iron Man style. Yeah, vigilante that. And we don't like he just that's how he appears first. Like, oh, well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you do just jump into it like in a like and that's not necessarily that? a bad thing. I, yeah. Um, the storytelling. It's just. Yeah. Feels like it wasn't this wasn't this was for fans. And yeah. Um, hot take. I don't like Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm. I, I, I don't I don't care for like I. I yeah. Well, to be fair, to be fair, Bill Sienkiewicz is the inker. The inker, yeah. This is Dennis Cohen. He also did um, the Question series. Mm. Right. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. It's just, hey, no. 
I don't think Bill Sienkiewicz is necessarily a a great anchor because his style is something that imposes very hard on uh, mm. on the artist. That being said, I think Dennis Cohen, um, the two of them ha- work well as far as styles. I just I've always been like hot and cold on Dennis Cohen as an artist, mm. and and I think that this book is I think suffers a lot from it i don't all right look (laughs) i read this this morning i read it last night and i read it again this morning and i was like oh i don't want to do this because i didn't (laughs) like static i liked icon i liked icon alike i didn't like i didn't like static at all and i was like oh i can't go two for three on milestone i can't do it (laughs) i can't do it i can't do it man but I got. I gotta be real. I just gotta. Be, I gotta be me. I gotta be one hundred. And like, yo, I don't think much of the story itself. Brandon Thomas is is, is a cool dude. I don't, but I don't think much of the story. But I'm I'm worried. I don't want to rag on the story, but so much because I'm curious of how much of the disconnect between the story is the artist just not really giving the writer what he wanted because i think that this book which is told in a lot of like close-ups and medium shots and like this downpour of rain um and very poor tracking as far as the storytelling um and stay locked on that page for a second please is it the same person Uh, that thank you thank you yeah yeah it happened, Ladies it and gentlemen, like you are watching this earlier. on the stream. If you look at the page that is on, that is JD has up, there are three images of an individual on this page. These three, none of these people look like each other. Yet it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be the same person. And JD, turn the page. It's supposed to be that guy too. <laughs> in, in the middle too. And it JD. Is 15 different white guys. Turn the page. Various different ages. And who is that guy in the last panel? No, that's either that's those four guys' grandfather or it's the same guy. I'm like, yeah. yo, he's, this, he's aging. He's like prematurely aging throughout the panel. And getting younger in between. Like that, yeah. first pa- that first page you showed, it's like it was Peter Capaldi, then all of a sudden Alec Baldwin, and then, <laughs> and then the guy at the grocery store. <laughs> and then yeah. Jack Perry and then <clears throat> and then Danny DeVito. Like I don't know what the fuck is happening. No, also I don't know out. what the hell is happening. I don't know what the hell is happening. I don't care about the story. I don't think it's well yeah. told. Um, I like I said, the story is a story as old as time. Child prodigy grows up. He becomes you know this creates this this. Um, armor if you will for lack of a better word that um makes him ultimately become a vigilante we Wait, don't this know is a tale as old as time no yes yes it is it's as old it's as stan comic, lee at yeah. least yeah, um, <laughs> and you know like and and that's pretty and but to your point you're not exactly sure exactly what he is as far as in this in this issue because 
it wants you to care about these people coming after him, but you don't really, they're faceless. So you don't know what's going yeah. on. The storytelling is, it's very poor. Um, he's got this running inner monologue that's going on that I don't care about. Cause I don't know who the fuck you are after um, 30 years. I haven't read this comic book. I'm like, dog, it's, I'm sorry. This is really, well, it's not a, it's I, not an inner monologue. He's talking to his suit, right? No, yeah. there's an inner no, monologue. No, no, no. Yeah. There he's Go talking to his suit, which he calls it. pop. But oh, there's, no. process, there's the is a white text on black. Problem. It's him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you're right. That, I'm sorry. That is an inner monologue, and he's talking to the computer. We don't even yeah. get an introduction to the computer, so it's kind of like having to do the, the work in our heads, which is fine. But it's just, it's a mess. This yeah. is all yeah. a layout mess. Yeah, uh, because it's his dialogue, his inner monologue, the computer yeah. responding and action in, in the rain, in the dark. Yeah, it's just I I You're also not given information about his father. So he calls the A.I. pops, but they don't really give you a they don't give you a clear depiction of what his relationship with his father was. Well, you, you and get the if white this is version of it, you get who the, the boss, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the the, the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Alva, yeah. Yeah, that there, there's go not ahead, a lot to go on where you know you're like I know that he has some strong relationship with the father because he named his his suit AI Pops and it kind of seems to embody his personality, but I think just storytelling wise it would have been better if he like gave you just a little bit more to go on because at one point he feel it seems like he really had a good relationship with him and then at another point it's that he he didn't and um that all being said oh yeah what's up no oh i was gonna let you finish this was just an earmarker for when oh right on um yeah. but, but that all being said i think i enjoyed it a little bit more than you guys did um i don't really disagree with any of the points that you're making about the murkiness of the arts like storytelling um, and just the visually murky, murky art. Um, but, uh, it, although there is a point where he's, uh, he draws white eyes on the guy without his suit and it, I don't know, it's distracting. It's like, I always like that. Anyway, I liked it a little bit more than you guys did, but, um, not that much. So there's, there's something that was really bugging me while I read it. Um, they give you the inner monologue or dialogue of, of, uh, hardware. I forget mm -hmm. his name already. Um, but then they switch to the inner monologue of Alva, mm -hmm. as well as yeah. him receiving information. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it happens in the middle of the story. He's receiving information of the that what's his name? Mark Marcus. What is his name? Um, <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah. Hardware. Curtis Metcalf. Curtis Metcalf. Metcalf. That's Curtis. Him. Yeah. him being Curtis. the one that did all these things. And then your Alva's literal inner dialogue. He could never do that. I raised him from this age. How could he do that? And then the very next scene being like, you son of a bitch, I'm going to do this to you. I'm like, how do those two fucking characters meld into one person? Right. Like in real time, having these, th these, these doubts, but then in, you know, outside voice wanting to murder him yeah. because he betrayed him. Like, is this a story flaw or is this an unreliable character? It's I think they're red, trying to weave that he a red schizophrenic and a red poorly. I, I think the wise. deal is that he is like, he is a bad dude who thought Curtis was on his side. 
And I didn't get that at all. But also had set up Curtis as a fall guy if he ever needed one. No, you well, the, the hook is that the, the, the hook is that Alva, while being the head of this organization and has helped Curtis Metcalf become all that he can be, he is also on the side, the, the head of whatever criminal organization that he's after. That's the uh, hook. What? Wait, there's a oh. criminal organization? <laughs> I told what? you. You're not exactly <laughs> sure. He's a vigilante of what? You don't know. <laughs> I thought the criminal organization was just this corporation is sucks. You know what I mean? I didn't realize there was yeah. a separate criminal organization yeah. here. It's it's a it's a mess of a comic book. Mm. It's a mess. It's a mess. I also I mean, my I thought process while this, while I was reading this was, you know, there seems to be Hardware's point of view of what happened, and then there's Alva's point of view of what happened, and they both seem to blame the other guy for it. And I was wondering if there was like a third mm. individual sort of setting these uh, two against each other who are supposed to actually be like Alfred and Batman, but you know, uh, um, uh, they they actually be. are being set against each other. <laughs> If somehow, if if his dialogue matched with his thoughts in the comic, I would feel that way. Hmm. But they didn't even like he's if 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 the character is having an inner monologue and speaking, they're not performing for the viewer. They don't know the viewers there. Right, yeah. right. So his thoughts are true. His words will either yeah. match or not match that. But if since they don't match, you're wondering why the what the fuck is his motivation? Like what's happening? Also Alva, and it's not totally fair to bring this in, but Alva was one of the principal bad guys on the static show. So I just assumed that the head of this corporation that released the fake big bang gas is also a villain here. Yeah. Yeah. I got the connection for those two, the the gas that turned static into whatever he turned into happened at this BLM rally and the tear gas was made by Alva and blah. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. It's just, I mean, cool um armistead says in the comments hardware could beat war machine that's for sure okay i don't really I know agree. hardware's capabilities to be honest like he was not yeah. one that i was that interested in back in when they first came out i mean he's like a guy in a suit and that's not usually my thing um but uh, so i don't know what his capabilities are Aren't they, they, all how they stack i was i would i just I'll refer man. to i'll refer to you um wonderful viewer and listener because i don't know anything about his capabilities based off of this issue to make mm-hmm. a, a suggestion mm-hmm. or or to pick a side sure yeah. i mean also, i know enough i know enough that it seems like uh hardware curtis n- knows everything that he has that he is capable of he knows what he's capable of and he seems to be um uh, the creator of all of these things right mm. he's, he's the tony stark that's a good point War machine is not Tony Stark. So I'm going to say that this guy who creates all of this hardware yes. can defeat Could the guy probably. who's just Wait. wearing a suit that someone else made him. That's Rhodey's a, Rhodey's a tactician, though. He may That's he true. knows what he has. He may not be able to like rebuild it or yeah. whatever. But as a as a, a general or a soldier and a tactician, mm-hmm. he might be able to use what he knows he has more efficiently. So which way do you want? Maybe uh, it's true. All right, That's we're calling you out, Marvel and DC. Hardware War Machine crossover, the yeah, most anticipated crossover of the, of the decade. Any lucrative deal that you could make collectively, and let's just go straight to War Machine versus Hardware. <laughs> War Machine versus Hardware. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, what's up next? I'll tell you. It's probably Pennyworth. Is it Pennyworth? Let me scroll. Pennyworth number one from DC Comics by Scott Brian Wilson and Juan Gideon. 
or Gideon, I'm not sure. Spanning the years between the... <laughs> span, span, <laughs> spanning the years between the hit TV show and today... Uh, Pennyworth tells the continuing adventures of Alfred Pennyworth as an MI6 counterintelligence agent, although I think he's an MI5 counterintelligence agent, this time in Cold War era Soviet Russia, when Alfred and his partner receive intelligence that nuclear weapons are being manufactured near the Arctic Circle, they're off to infiltrate the remote military base to learn more. But... <laughs> Things don't go exactly as planned, and the ramifications oh, no. of this mission may be more far-reaching than anyone could have guessed. As our present-day butler gets dragged back into his past, uh, I'm sorry. I just uh, has anyone here watched Pennyworth, the hit TV show? Uh, I think it's you know a hit show? in other countries. I don't care about it all. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it was still happening, first of all. I heard that there was a Pennyworth show happening at some point. Uh, I, I don't, I, I still, I guess it, it, it's out. I have no idea. No, it's not, I think it's, it's on. It's like season two. It's on Epic? Yeah, yeah I think shit. it's on Epics. Like, nobody gets it's, Epics. It's Epics. big, it's big in, in other countries. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think the season two is going to be premiering soon. Yeah. And I see stuff about it sometimes, like, oh, Thomas and Martha Wayne are going to be there, or this hints at some Batman thing later, you know, that kind of thing. But I have yeah. what'd you guys, what'd no you guys think of this? What'd you I guys thought this was great. Oh, cool. This, yeah, being have not, I, having nothing yeah. to do with Pennyworth, I was really surprised. Um, it, this doesn't need to be a Pennyworth book. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be involved with Batman in any regard. Mm. I think it's a really good spy story. Um, coming off things like uh the most recent black widow series and uh the black widow movie i was kind of ripe for this um i'm just i thought this was great it's um a 007 story that i actually could care about um because i don't care about 007 he's not my kind of character i like the relationship between him and his not girlfriend but like you know, when we're in when we're in the same country together, we you know, we find some sheets and get under them together. Um, I, I like their relationship and I do like, you know, the, it does tie into Alfred Pennyworth currently, which is is good. I do like that it involves what's going on with him currently um, being sucked back in. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought this was surprisingly good. I don't know if it's seven issues worth of good. Um, mm-hmm. This is a seven issue miniseries and um it's off to a great start. I don't know if I care to read seven issues of it. Maybe five would have been a topper for me. Um, but yeah, I thought this was surprisingly good. What did you guys think? I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, um, I, um, when I was helping figure out what books to talk about this week, um, uh, I would had no interest in reading this whatsoever, but then I, I flipped through and saw the art. Mm -hmm. Um, one, one Gidon, Juan Gedeon is um, was a fill-in artist for Donny Cates' Venom here and there when Ryan Stegman couldn't keep up or had to take a month off or was working on something else. And I just, I loved his art style. And then seeing it here in kind of like a um, old school spy thriller, it just it just really worked, especially that that first sequence of being hung over the Eiffel Tower. That first sequence oh, yeah. is killer. Mm. Yes. I just, I loved, I loved the aesthetic of the book. So I was like, maybe this will be something cool. So... You know, took a, took a swing on it. I think that at some parts it's overwritten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but I agree. It still was surprisingly really, really enjoyable. Like really, really enjoyable. Like a a, a little bit more than a cold open 
of a of a killer movie especially like you know that last reveal of his friend in the room next to him like yeah that was, was great this was solidly entertaining like somebody who i don't know this writer maybe they're involved with the tv show but it's 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 a little overwritten however it's still structured in such a way that it's very it's a very very engaging spy kind of thriller and i liked it mm-hmm. a lot yeah nice yeah it's fun and it, it, i actually was pleasantly surprised especially by that opening segment because i thought it was well i thought it was masterfully done with having the guy speaking but then having the overlay yeah. of his captions over i think that mm-hmm. was like so well done so well choreographed if if yeah. you will um and then it works it works out like beat wise to the reveal of real day um uh, uh, Alfred tied up. I was like, oh, that, wow, that pop. That really, I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Um, I do agree. I feel like it's maybe overwritten a little bit. It felt like a little, and I think that overwrite made it feel a little longer than it probably yeah. should because it's only 25 pages, but it just yeah. felt like, like, this is going on a little bit. Like, where's the end? Um, but it was fun. I, I actually was pleasantly surprised how much I enjoyed it. I don't know, I would, you know that I would collect it, but it was fun. The um, the overwritten nature of it actually doesn't bother me because that feels like Alfred to me. He's the one <laughs> yeah. telling us this story. And, mm. you know, being uh, nice, um, uh, being the character that he is, who is also like a Shakespearean actor and all this other stuff. It seems mm-hmm. like a guy who uh, could go on when he's telling you a story. The, it was the it wasn't it wasn't his musings that were kind of um, bugging me or, or stopping me off. It was as soon as he started talking about the inner workings of their mission, that over expository kind of approach yeah. was re- like when he was talking about his past, when he was talking about like um, uh what they were there to do that was fine but then as soon as he started getting into the history of like the people on this boat versus the people on that boat and the thing of it like i was like all right i it just it felt like um it bogged down the pace a little bit yeah that's all Hmm. but it wasn't obviously it wasn't enough to like ruin the experience it was just like less could be more less could totally be more because you have a visual medium to do this Hmm. um uh, there's something I wanted to bring up. The, has anyone read the Daredevil by Anne Nascenti run? <clears throat> no. Mm-mm. Ah, I, I wanted. To, I wasn't sure if I was correct in this, but I feel like it was that run that had a character exactly like this guy on screen. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a gentleman who had organic weapons for arms, hmm. and um, I don't know if he shot flesh bullets or whatever, but like. He he had guns built into his forearms. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. I don't think he even really had hands. I think they just ended in <laughs> barrels of guns. Um, so I've, I've definitely seen this guy before uh, from Marvel comics. But um, I think that it was JRJ like we reviewed, right? Like, did, did we not talk about that? Like, uh, not that long ago. Bushwhack. Uh. Justin Agnew chimes in. Thank you, Justin. Oh, Bushwhack. Yeah, Bushwhack actually showed up in something recently. I think it was uh, yeah. uh, Moon Knight. He showed up in Moon Knight. Oh, see? Yeah, Which did they point out, that, like, the, that first the issue practical nature of transforming your arms and hands into guns? 
for like the rest of your life. Wasn't that something? I, I don't know. That seems really familiar. The the machinations of Mad Men. Indeed. Well, yeah. Indeed. I mean, who's to say? Maybe mm. maybe tying your shoes is less important than being able to murder anyone at any time. For sure. Yeah. But how do you to paint? quote Peacemaker? Who knows why <laughs> Mad Men do what they do? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> how do you pee? You just go. You just go. You got guns and for arms. Gonna, who's telling who's you not to pee? Who's gonna say anything? Yeah. Who's gonna say shit? Where does a guy with guns myself? for arms? It's like it's I'm, that classic joke. Where does a guy with gun for arms pee? Anywhere he wants to. Exactly. <laughs> he, yeah. Like, say something. Say yeah. something. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I was I was surprised uh, how, how much I enjoyed this. Uh, before you have to open your shop, let's talk about that big TV show that came out this week. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Let's have a gutter talk real quick. Marvel's What If came out this week. Episode one, Captain Carter was the first. Of, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Directed by Brian Andrews, written by A.C. Bradley. In an alternate reality, Peggy Carter becomes a super soldier rather than Steve Rogers and uses her newfound power to bring the Nazis to the brink of disaster. But Red Skull plans to use a Tesseract to unleash the champion of Hydra on Earth, assuring Hydra's domination. Starring Jeffrey Wright, Halle Atwell, Sebastian Stan, Stanley Tucci, Samuel L. Jackson, and more, um, and more being, um, oh, what's his name? I love him so much. Bradley Whitford. Mm -hmm. That yeah, was a nice right. surprise to see yeah. Bradley Whitford, yeah, yeah, or yeah. I guess hear him uh, in this episode. <laughs> I love him. He's great. So, uh, th uh, okay. So... The what if trailer dropped however long ago and I saw it and I was like, this animation, I don't know if this is the style that uh, it's, it's very CG looking. Um, I just don't know. Kind how of I feel about it. Yeah. It is. Rotoscopy for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was like, you know what? Marvel hasn't let me down yet with most of their movies and um, the TV shows have all been great. So I, I love that they're doing what if, what if is my jam. I love mm. alternate reality takes on, things that have already happened mm -hmm. um so uh i know i grew up reading what if comics if you guys haven't if you're not aware what if is a long-running series starting in the 70s 70s yep um where they would just take one tiny thing about uh, uh, uh either a character's origin or a storyline change it up and then see how it ends up um more often than not it ends up pretty terribly. Uh, it always ends badly in a way. It's always like a cautionary tale. Like you thought you had it bad in the regular Marvel yeah. universe. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, this. No. Okay, this doesn't end terribly, but no, this no, doesn't this end terribly. Doesn't. No, no, no. But, 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 like classic what ifs, the story of this first episode of the animated series What If all hinges on. Just one very slight moment, a, yeah, yeah. A, a almost infinitesimal, you blink and you will miss it moment in time, which would set the course of the story on another tangent. And here it's when Steve Rogers is preparing to get into the chamber that will make him into the super soldier. And when asked about leaving the room, Petty Carter just says, no, I'm good right here. And that was all the difference the story needed, the universe needed for the things to play out yeah. so that Peggy yeah. Carter would yeah. become 
the super soldier. Yeah, because she stayed, everyone else was empowered to stay, and then that means that mm. the bomb would have to go off before blah, blah, blah. Like, it was just a whole mm. series of events because a woman was like, no, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want to no, be in the room when it happens. Yeah. Now, no, I should I should correct that. They didn't all end terribly. It was just oh, no, like but you're most right, you're right. So I think, I think yeah. for a while, the, the point of the what if stories, yeah. if there's a point at all, was to actually show you that things worked out the best way that they should have and could have. So yes, often they would always have a kind of not a downer ending, but just kind of like a, and then that person died. Yeah. Well, cause you can't blow up half the world in a what if comic. You can't do that in a regular comic. So I assume the writer was like, "Ah, I do whatever I want, you know, but I think, I really do think that like an editorial kind of mandate was to show you Mm. that the way things worked out were the way that they should have. Oh, maybe. Like, I I really do think that that was kind Mm. of a point of the what ifs to show, Mm. not the point, but like one of the, you you can't make this better than what happened. Right, right. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. So make sure that that's part of it. Yeah. Whereas with this one, it was like I mean, Peggy kind of kind of slapped. Like it was, yeah. it was wonderful. It I see a lot of people wonderful. online talking about how you know she is apparently more powerful than than Steve was. Maybe because she started Steve. out already pretty physically fit. Um, <laughs> uh, Justin, Justin Agnew, Agnew by bought the what ifs just to see who died. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, but who died in this one that didn't normally? It's mostly uh, nobody. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones died, so that so that would make the Bradley Whitford character, who did show up in um, the Peggy Carter one shot. Bradley Whitford was. Oh, was he? The bureaucrat in that one. So the Tommy Lee Jones character being shot kind of brought that bureaucrat. Oh, yeah. To the front of being that's cool, and and it also changed the role of of Howard Stark, a more right. to a more active role. Right, right. the The animation the the animation was fu- was was nice. It was nice, but hmm. the physicality and the and the the camera movement and the and the action beats were better than I could have imagined. Hmm. Like, oh, dude, dude, the, <laughs> the one the one scene where because in this, in this universe. In this universe, just to let you, everybody know, while Steve Rogers doesn't become Captain America, he more or less become War Machine, if right. you want, or the yeah. prototype Iron Man, if you will. And there's a scene where she, he, as a, this flying, you know, Iron Giant, um, and Captain Carter go fight these planes. It yeah. is one of the best yeah. action scenes, period. Animated cool. or not, yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the rotoscopy type of vibe on the on this animation. But like you said, no, and all of the action sequences, it's works, and in that one, never more so. The way that Peggy, Peggy Carter or Captain Carter is flying around in that yeah. air, it it is so. Oh, Freaking There's, amazing. When when action scenes are happening, when live action action scenes, if they're really effective, I will like make visceral like grunts, like oof. Yeah. Yeah. I've literally never done it in a cartoon until this. Mm, yeah. She flips over the truck really? and then she takes that guy's knee out. And I was like, Ugh. yo. <laughs> yep. And then and then Bush like essentially makes him kiss the pavement. I was like, holy yeah. shit. Like it was just the way that they the the camera angles they chose the wide mm-hmm. shots that they chose and they these figures these these animated figures felt like they had weight yeah yeah felt like they pushed things and got pushed by things and how is how so is impressive. how is captain carter mm-hmm. animated on a television show 
better at fighting World War II soldiers than live action Wonder Woman is at fighting <laughs> li- uh, World War One soldiers. This right? was amazing. I that was, was really amazing. impressed. That's the, I was saying that all day yesterday. Everybody who came in, and I, that's the one thing I kept mentioning. It was like the weight. A lot of animation. Everything feels um, just light, and nothing has consequence yeah. or weight or or gravity. And the, there are so many yeah. scenes in this particular one where it just you can feel you can feel the hits. You can you can feel that everything has weight. Um, and the, uh, the Star Wars cartoons are like a really really good example. As fun as they are, when two Jedi's are just like flipping and twirling in the air, you're just like, all right, that's, yeah, that's cool. It, but it never. It has gravitas, but it doesn't have weight. It doesn't have. Uh, an- they don't know their physical space, or they don't affect right, their physical right. space, right? Speaking speaking of weight, there's a very it's a very 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 small thing in the in the midst of the climax when she gets the oh my god, there's a sword. One is a super it's a, yeah. right. It's it's a show. Whatever. There's yeah. a sword there. She picks up. She picks up the sword, slices through this tentacle, and then she lands. And there's a very slight moment where you see her kind of adjust her hand to the weight of the sword in her hand. And I saw that, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." She does like a she does like a flick regrip of it. Yep. Oh, I gotta rewatch. Yeah, it is a. It was so wildly impressive. I, I love um, stuff like that. I don't think it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen, but it was my right. expectations were just kind of for an animated show. Cool. Yes. But it was so wildly impressive. I was I was I was just giddy. We were watching now, it and we were giddy. Yeah. The one thing I didn't like was for some reason, and I don't know what it was, either Sebastian Stan's delivery or the dialogue itself. But everything that came out of Sebastian Stan's or the Winter Soldier's mouth or I'm sorry, Bucky's mouth. It just felt weird. It he's just he's not a very right. good voice actor. Everything was yeah. really, really heightened. Like you almost took my arm off. Like, all right, I got it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounded like you know. Unfortunately, the days of all of the actors being in the mm-hmm. room together when they do these yeah. things are yeah. long gone. So he probably is doing that against nobody or just yeah. some kind of like PA feeding him the lines. Yeah, and he's yeah. just giving it. It you know, it's whatever. But somebody in the chat mentioned that whoever did young Steve Rogers voice was um, mm. spot on. I see it was tape yeah. misbehaving on YouTube. That was Josh Keaton was the actor. And Spider-Man. until I looked it up, you couldn't have told me that it wasn't Chris Evans. Like, so mm. yeah. like, yeah, he was definitely um, spot on. Yeah. There's there. They only, they weren't able to get very few actors. Chris Evans was one of them. So Chris Evans, um, Robert Downey Jr. Is not appearing. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man will well, not be Tom Holland. Oh really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know. That. And well, there's one. It makes sense because Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. their their contracts are over, so right. they you know so they're like, yo, we're done. I'm sorry. And Tom Holland is probably a Sony thing. It's like, no, we, we, y'all get the movies. Yeah. You're gonna for the movies, but like not for everything. Yeah, See, I wonder contract wise that, if they wouldn't want to. Like, I know Brie Larson isn't doing it, and I wonder oh, if they're like, well, we know. have her for this many things, and we wonder yeah. well yeah. i there's no so the 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 nature of this too is like i don't we don't know who the f is going to show up in any of these mm-hmm. like true. there may not be a oh, true. marvel that's true too yeah. In, yeah. i mean she's what if she's one of the first things first characters you see in the beginning of the episode yeah, she probably is Captain know. Marvel for some reason right yeah well that's the, huh? yeah but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that there's going to be a captain marvel 
episode. No, I, no, I, I'm just saying yeah, it's, yeah. it's she's definitely one of the first characters you see. Oh yeah, and so uh, Dave Batista wasn't wasn't asked to to voice Drax. Right, right. Yeah. I read an article that it was just like they didn't think that they would get anyone, and then the ones that they did get were kind of like, oh, that's great. You know, they showed they showed they a, ate up the budget. Could they be. showed a thing yeah. in the in the preview of like Drax or you know like T'Challa taking a, a selfie with Drax, and everyone's like they didn't do it. Oh, they didn't get Dave Bautista. Why would they not bother? And I'm and I'm thinking like you don't know what this episode is. Motherfucker might not even have a speaking line. Right. It's just yeah, a it's montage. True. Yeah, so it's just true. you know yeah, yeah. Captain Marvel may show up, but she may not say anything. That's true. Speaking, speaking yeah. of speaking of dumbasses on the fucking internet um sorry brian anderson if you're watching this right now with your child i didn't mean to curse um about jerks on the internet so i came across some twitter thread yesterday that was complaining about captain carter because she had wide soldier uh, shoulders uh she looks like a man what I mean, shut, shut up it, she oh. had super soldier serum shut right. your damn mouth yeah that's crazy now, I think she is one of the most likely, if not the most likely, that we will see um, Haley Atwell in live action as this universe's I, Captain Carter. I would. Oh, go. yeah, we're not going to see Haley Atwell's. No, no. You don't think so? No, I, I, no, I, I don't Hallie either. Atwell. Um, oh. I, I, wish, I wish Carter would come back. Also, even if they made a series out of this, like a six-issue or a six-episode series out of this Captain mm. Carter... I want. I love this. I would watch more of her in present day with like a present day Avengers. Yeah. Um, oh, like there is going to be another. They said next season of What If is going to have another episode of this. Also, also, there's a bunch yeah. of rumors. There's a bunch of rumors of the first couple. There's going to be nine episodes per season. So this is nine episodes. Next season is oh, nine, and they and they're already working on season two. Um, there are rumors that the first handful of episodes of this season are going to be relatively standalone, but then things are going to start to connect to each other. Mm. Okay. Right. Um, in however way I don't know, but I'm assuming it also has to do with all the multiversal shit that all the other shows and movies are no touching on. Well, so yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Is not yeah. I don't think we're going to get a Captain Carter show or anything like that. Yeah. I think she is the most likely to be seen in like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness or something of that nature. Where because she's the only one of them that isn't doing something already. She's very very popular, and she's not like. There's no main universe allegory of her in current continuity. So I don't know. Who knows? I, the fact that she's really big, though, makes it a little less likely. I, I just wouldn't want a, you know, CGI'd Hallie Atwell that's two feet taller. That is the one thing I, that I just, throws I a feel like this. Yeah. I feel like this works in animation really, really incredibly well, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if they try and recreate it in live action, it might feel... It also wouldn't surprise me inorganic. if she does appear in live action, if she's just not... She's just her regular Ellie Outwell size. You know, it also, just goes... It wouldn't surprise me if she does appear in live action. She's actually not in live action. She's animated in live action movie. That would be interesting. Oh, you, like you these think worlds are animated. Far with the, you think they would go that far with the multiversal kind of of it all? Like, oh, there's a hey, version. Uh, there's a yeah. don't yeah, do yeah. not think that I Disney know. does not want their version of Spider-Man um, in the in, in the Spider Verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do not think they don't want it, bro. <laughs> now yeah. I'm interested in the end. I wonder. So yeah, I know they. The, I, yeah, I, I know. I just uh, the. I, what? 
the, Go, the Brian. Said in the end, I thought that it was, uh, you know, when Steve Rogers appears is when she comes back. And then it occurred to me, like, oh, it might not be. That could be, the Avengers could be long-formed at that point. Yeah. I wonder if Steve Rogers is around, right? Is he... Who knows what? He could be that universe's Captain Marvel having been exposed to the Space Stone for that long or, you know, whatever. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that they this did it. Cool. I know that they, you know, CGI'd Chris Evans in the reverse in the original Captain America movie. Mm. But when was the last time you watched that movie? Um, it's only it's only for like maybe five minutes of screen time. And it's in shadow for the most part, or it's like side view. And every time he has his face turned, I mean, they did do it for the whole, but I I also don't, but as a fully CGI character, like, do you want her? Like, well, she wouldn't be a fully CGI character. She would be Hallie Atwell that they made a little taller. Right. It's more than making tall. Look, I'm just kind of, okay. I'm, I'm protective of online discourse being you've turned her into a man in live action. And I don't want to bother having those conversations. I think you don't have to have those conversations. You don't have to talk with those people. Conversations (laughs) will be having at us often. (laughs) Like if 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 history is any kind of indicator, that's absolute bullshit. And her two series, her two seasons. If anything, I would want more Captain or uh, uh, Agent Carter. Oh, those were awesome. Right, those were fucking spectacular, and I want more of that. Yeah, Um, this is just great as animation, and I love it. To each our own. I'd like to see. I mean, they're going to do it with She-Hulk. They're going to do that with an actress, and then make also yeah. make her green. That's true. Yeah, it's going to be a fully CGI character, not like. Uh, uh, forget it. Yeah, okay. you're right. That's fine. Um, yeah, this is a great series. Uh, I really liked it. I'm looking forward. Does anyone know what the next one? Is? I think it's got Black Panther. I don't know. If Black Panther is the next one or the third one. But I know oh. Black Panther with um, what's his name? With uh, Peter. What's it's it's um you mean T'Challa as Star Lord? Yeah, T'Challa as yeah. Oh, Peter Quill. Right. Yeah. I, I I know that's one of the next one of the next two. I don't know if it's the next one. I'm uh, curious to see how he gets one. chosen instead of the like very specific Peter Quill. Like, is it a case yeah. of mistaken identity? Like, who knows? I'm I mean, interested. The Ravagers yeah. probably just fucked up. That's yeah. possible. That's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm also really excited about the Vision one. I mean, you guys know I love the vision, oh. but it looks like a cool. There's a vision one, cool. There's a vision one, yeah. Yeah, um, in the poster they show the vision almost like as Ultron. Yeah. Oh. In like weird Ultron-ish armor. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm stoked. I think this is off to a great start. I can't yeah. wait for more. Definitely. Um, what what's the date that it drops? What are the I week? think on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, yeah. Oh right, that makes sense. Everything's um, Wednesdays for Disney Plus now, or at least the Marvel shows. Hmm. Like that's what they're doing. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Um, I know for anyone who joins us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., we are going to be moving the show starting this upcoming Monday. Well, not this upcoming, not tomorrow night. Uh, (laughs) Next week will be Monday. No, what's the date of that? 23rd, August 23rd. August 23rd, um, Monday night, 9 p.m. We're going to have some beers. We're going to do the same thing we do here, but hopefully with a sleeping baby. Um, So that... uh, it can be, I can get a little bit more, um, um, I don't know what the, fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, Monday nights, 9 p.m. Join us um, for, for this. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, oh, let's see. The Ravagers probably thought all humans look alike, said Robert Monroe. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thank you to everyone who hangs out in the chat and, and discusses with us. Love it. Um, 
and hopefully we will see you next Monday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, and, until then, what is, what is what's what's Len's? Uh, until then, we say, Len. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. This is girl. Oh, 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 oh.